At the beginning of The Return of the King, the third volume of the Lord of the Rings saga, the Hobbit, Pippin, and the wizard Gandalf have just been chewed out by Denethor, the steward of Gondor, for sending the hobbits Frodo and Sam into Mordor to destroy the Ring of Power. Denethor thought it would be a better idea to hold on to the ring, to use it, just in case. He calls the plan a fool's hope. As battle nears, Pippin asks Gandalf, tell me, is there any hope? For Frodo, I mean, or at least mostly for Frodo. Gandalf answers, there never was much hope. Just a fool's hope, as I have been told. Just a fool's hope. Instead of using the ring and overwhelming the enemy with brute force, Gandalf chose a fool's hope. Send two hobbits into the heart of shadow to destroy an object of incredible, tainted power. It's almost as foolish as the hope given to the people of Judah in Isaiah 9. By this time in the story, Israel and Judah have been separate kingdoms for about 200 years. The good times that Amos saw, we heard about last week, are coming to a crashing end. While the northern kingdom of Israel has endured coup and war and incompetent kings, the kingdom of Judah still has a descendant of David on the throne, Ahaz. But the line of David has been little better than the kings of the north. Ahaz, for his part, is not particularly faithful. To be fair, he is submerged in a time of crisis. Two regional kings, including the king of Israel, are trying to overthrow him and replace him with a puppet king to bring Judah into their ragtag alliance against their superpower neighbor, Assyria. With his survival at stake, it's little wonder that Ahaz wants a more practical solution from Isaiah than, trust God, it'll be fine. It's kind of hard to just sit with that and trust God, it'll be fine. That's kind of tough if, if, if you believe that your, your kingdom, your life, your family are threatened. So instead of simply trusting God, Ahaz decides that the more immediate, that more immediate action is needed. He makes an alliance with dreaded Assyria itself to secure his kingdom from the northern threat. Seems like a good plan, but this merely puts Judah deeper into Assyria's debt. This choice will cause no end of problems for Ahaz's son, Hezekiah. His words falling on deaf ears, Isaiah tells his disciples to note what he said and temporarily withdraws from public life. But this withdrawal isn't accompanied by despair. Isaiah doesn't give up. Instead, we hear one of the most magnificent oracles of hope in the Old Testament. Isaiah tells of the birth of a child. A child who will break oppression, destroy the implements of war, and establish endless shalom. A child who will bring light to the darkest places of Israel, places like Zebulun and Naphtali and Galilee, places already under the thumb of foreign oppression. This future is so certain that Isaiah uses the perfect tense, which means that it shows that an action has been done, it's been completed, it's been perfected, it's finished. A child has been born, a son has been
been given. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. All this is as good as done. God indeed is faithful beyond the people's wildest dreams. Of course, this must have seemed almost too much to hope for in Isaiah's day. The glory days of Israel and Judah were long past. The king since Solomon had mostly been a great disappointment. After so many failed leaders, how could they dare hope for a good and just king? It must have seemed like a fool's hope. In some ways, our situation has some similarities. Now, we got a lot going for us that the people of ancient Judah did not. We're not under constant threat of invasion by a foreign power. We're not persecuted by our own government. Most of us have food in the pantry, clothes on our back, and a roof over our heads. But there's a spiritual malaise among us. It was present before COVID. The last two years haven't made things any better. Many of us suffer diminished hope. Hope in responsible government, hope in the good of our neighbors, even hope in the Lord to save us. It can seem to all outward appearances that the world is determined to stay rooted in its hell-bound course. How can we dare to hope, even with a fool's hope, the way things are and what the things look like they're going to be? Our hope is not in a mere messianic ruler, a king after the way of the world. The Christian faith rejects any attempt to deify human leadership. This is why Christians were so often persecuted under the Roman Empire. They were persecuted for being atheists because they refused to accept the divine status of the emperor. No God, but God. There is no political or religious leader who will usher in the kind of peace that Isaiah talks about. The kind of shalom that Isaiah is talking about will only be ushered in by God. Only God in Christ can be that kind of king. But as I've said, God in Christ is not a king after the way of the world. The whole idea of power is turned upside down in Christ. A kind of shalom can be brought to the world through brute force, it is true. But that kind of shalom, that kind of peace is inherently unjust. Such a shalom lifts up some on the back of others. No, instead, the peace, health, and wholeness of Christ comes through the inversion of human power, through the judgment of human power. Christ the King conquers by undergoing a human birth, by suffering, dying, and rising again. When God spoke these words through Isaiah, God was saying more than Isaiah probably knew. There would be endless shalom, but in a radically different way than anyone was expecting. And that is why we can have hope. The idolization of human power is a constant throughout history, as is our disappointment when our leaders don't live up to our expectations. But God in Christ radically subverts human expectations and human power.
Both are revealed to be as sturdy as a house of cards. Instead, real power, which looks to us like weakness, like failure, like nothing more than a fool's hope, is revealed to be the greatest kind of power. It's revealed in the cross of Christ. And real shalom, a just shalom, accompanies that kind of power. Even today, when hope fades for so many, that is where the Christian's hope lies, in the cross of Christ. And that is a hope that can never be disappointed, because God is faithful. And even when things are rough, even when things look like they're going to keep going on a particular course, God never forgets us. So I leave you with this. There is a classic choir anthem, He Never Failed Me Yet, by Robert Ray. Search for it online and listen when you can. Here are the opening lyrics. I will sing of God's mercy every day, every hour. He gives me power. I will sing and give thanks to thee for all the dangers, toils, and snares that he has brought me out. He is my God, and I'll serve him no matter what the test. Trust and never doubt, Jesus will surely lead you out. He never failed me yet. God and Christ will never fail us. The promised child is coming. Amen.